What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and one of your guys' favorite video series I do is in season, I talk through my favorite buy and sell trade targets every single week of the regular season. But now it's the offseason. Nothing but sickos are watching my content right now. It's dynasty season. You guys are doing startups, you guys are making trades. We literally haven't even gotten finished with the divisional round of the playoffs right now, but dynasty offseason is in full effect so today we're going to talk about my must buy and sell trade targets for dynasty especially since i am extremely locked in right now because i just got done with the dynasty rankings fresh off the press you can find them patreon.com slash ron stewart i have my top 250 super flex tight end premium rankings i have my way 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 too early top 20 rookie rankings with their RS grades, my prospect grading system. You get also my positional rankings where I go through uh, each players and break them into tiers. You see how much they've risen or fallen since last time I did one of these rankings updates. You also see what uh, prospect tier they were. So how did they grade in the model, right? You guys can see Mahomes, Elite, Konami, Code, QB. You can see what archetype they are, which is how much they're rushing. And then also if you should be buy, selling, or holding these players. So it is... A plethora of information for any of you guys out there that are doing startups right now, that are making trades right now. And today, we're going to give you a little bit of a taste. We're going to go through, I don't even know how many. I usually do like three buys, two sells. We went all out today, all right? We're coming back in full force here. I think that this is going to be, I have eight pages of notes. I think it's going to be like nine players. So strap in. If you enjoy any point, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, trying to choose. I mean, I know I'm critical. Now, before we even bring up a single player, I just kind of want to talk about our like overarching ideas for right now. Remember, it is mid January, the combine is not until March. This is a dead zone period. Please, 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 for the love of God, do not look at your team and be like, oh, man. Oh, no, I need an RB2. I need an RB2. I can't. If week one was tomorrow, my team, it would be garbage. Oh, I really need to find a quarterback. Your team has no needs right now. There is no roster needs. You do not have to fill any positions. Your team is just a store of value right now. Please, please, please do not, like, scour the trade markets to try and fill your RB2 hole so that your lineup looks more pretty in week one. Now, there's also a lot of things that are going to tr change here, right? Again, we have a lot of data we still need on the prospects, right? So we have the combine. We have obviously the NFL draft, but that means for the veterans that we're holding on to right now, things are going to change. People are going to move hands or players are going to move hands. Teams are going to swap around players like crazy. We have an insane running back free agency class where we have uh like i think jacobs is a free agent saquon's technically a free agent montgomery's a free agent we have i think fournette might even be a free agent i don't think fournette's a free agent but there's a lot of guys who are free agents of course we have the 2023 running back class coming in here so that gives us two very clear pressure points again free agency and the draft you want to be making trades before those landmarks and taking advantage of the uncertainty, right? So you want to be trading away pieces 
that could get supplanted, right? So like maybe fragile starting running backs that aren't in a or that are in a spot where either a free agent could get signed or a rookie could get signed. Same thing as well, where you have cheap guys, and I'll throw out a name here in a second because I, he was too small to to add on this list. But there's going to be fragile pieces out there that could change hands, and you can kind of just lean into the uncertainty for really cheap right now. I love Rashad Penny as a, a throw-in. Now, don't hit up your Rashad Penny owner and offer a second for Rashad Penny, but if you can squeeze Rashad Penny into the back end of deals and get him onto your team, I think that's a good move. What if Rashad Penny ends up in Kansas City? He's going to be a free agent, I believe. What if he ends up, you know, what if he sort of takes over for Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas? There's a lot of spots where he could go to and be really, really interesting. So you want to find guys like that, really cheap players that could find themselves getting traded on a new team, anything like that. I think Kareem Hunt's another one as well that I would sort of put in that bucket. And my last thing that I'll say, and we'll finally get into some players here five minutes into this video, is it's a great time to make win-now trades. Youth across the board is probably overvalued right now. All the rookies are super high, like ETN, Kenneth Walker. Those guys aren't necessarily sells for me, but you can see if Seattle brings back Rashad Penny, if the Jaguars go out there and they grab a Kareem Hunt, right? Like they're probably not going to roll with Jamichael Hasty and Snoop Connor again. If they grab a Kareem Hunt, if they grab one of these sort of, you know, fringe guys off of waivers, if they draft somebody, what if they draft a, you know, what if they draft a Zach Charbonnet? So there's a lot of things up in the air that can happen to really tank the value of these players. So just be wary of that. I think the guys that you will find the most value with will be the older veterans in terms of trading for them. In the offseason, it's really weird to say because you would think, you know, like week 12, you're you're storing up to try and win a championship. Offseason time is probably the best time to buy veterans. Now, which brings us to our buys. We're going to go over some buys. We're going to go over some sells today. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. Our buys are kind of boring, like older players. And that's because of what I just said. Veterans right now are the cheapest they'll ever be. And our first buy is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has a million things going on right now. He might come to my Jets. Ravens often the coordinator gets fired. Greg Roman, maybe that's a sort of like try and reel Lamar Jackson back into Baltimore. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. He has a lot of things up in the air right now. And when we talk about these trade targets, we're going to sort of structure them with where did I put them in my dynasty rankings and then where are they going in ADP. Now, I use Adeco's ADP. I use Adeco's trade search tool. They're both amazing. Uh, he's a guy in uh, the Bulletproof Discord, if any of you guys know uh, of that. I don't know if you want to call it a brand or a podcast. He does really, really good work. He's already compiling January startup data to get this ADP. And right now, Lamar Jackson is going as the 109 as the QB7. In my personal rankings, he's my 103 as my QB3. Now, please don't jump down my throat. Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow are like right there. I have it like a huge tier from like 103 to 106, but 109 is pretty damn egregious. Now, Lamar Jackson, I don't really have to tell anything that you don't already know about Lamar Jackson. He is a known commodity at this point. He has the best point per game season of all time by a quarterback, 28.11 points per game, a full 1.2 points per game better than Aaron Rodgers in second place. He gives you an insane rushing ceiling. He's essentially this generation's Michael Vick, Cam Newton, whatever you want to call it. The arm talent is there. He threw for 36 touchdowns in that MVP season with his best receiver being Mark Andrews, who's really good. But he put up just 64, 852, and 10 touchdowns. No one else on that 
team had more than 50 catches, had more than 600 yards, or more than seven touchdowns. There was no 1,000-yard receiving season on this team, yet Lamar Jackson won MVP through for 36 touchdowns. Now, we know the ceiling. It's pretty clear. He can set the league on fire, give you unmatchable production. But the concerns are here, injury, the situation uncertainty we just talked about, he's going to be free agent, and kind of like the what have you done for me lately, right? Like that was the, the season we just talked about, the 2019 season, three years ago at this point, going on four. And I wanted to look at how has he been since then? So since 2020, he's averaged 22.6 points per game in the games where he has been healthy, which I just counted as games where he had over 10 pass attempts behind. He, he's been since 2020, 22.6 points per game, which is third behind just Josh Allen and Mahomes. So he's been that good. Now, if you want to take it a step further, because you have guys like Burrow and Hertz uh, and Herbert kind of taking that step forward in 2021, since 2021, Lamar's at 22.4 points per game, which is behind just Josh Allen, Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. So he has been elite when he's been healthy. Now, that's the big question. Can we count on him to stay healthy? I'll also say going back to that other point, 22 like he's been running that 22.4 to 22.6 point per game area and I would call that like kind of his floor which has been top three to four quarterback in points per game since 2020 or since 2021 now Lamar has missed 10 games over the last 10 years which is concerning but none of these have been a brutal injury that needed surgery right no ACL tear no Achilles tear he has just had a PCL sprain this year which caused him to miss like six games and then last year he missed four games with I believe an ankle sprain so again Nothing crazy, just kind of like bruises and bumps and scrapes. Nothing really too terrible. Now, I know a lot of people are going to run out and say, Lamar's a scrambling quarterback. His injuries are because he's a scrambling quarterback. Edwin Porras, who is a really sharp guy. Maybe we'll have him on the channel one day. Uh, he broke down here Lamar's injury, which took place in the pocket. As you guys can see, he's you know behind the guard and tackle. The injury that he sustained was in the pocket, right? So this was not him scrambling downfield and getting, you know, tackled by like three defenders. There's sort of a false notion that Edwin has done a really good job of shedding light on that scrambling quarterbacks are way more injury prone than pocket quarterbacks. And it's not really true. A ton of pocket quarterbacks got hurt this year. Like I know, I know the scrambling guys like Hertz, like Lamar, like Kyler all got hurt. I know even Josh Allen, but Josh Allen's was a throwing mechanism thing and like his shoulder was a pitcher injury that he sustained in the pocket behind the line of scrimmage. You had other guys as well, Stafford, Jameis Winston, Mac Jones, Tua, Jimmy G, Mike White, all missed games for injuries sustained as statue quarterbacks in the pocket. Now, <clears throat> a little clear of the throat. He did a really, really cool study where he broke down the amount of injuries on each play type. So you have uh, runs, you have scra so you have designed runs, scrambles, sacks, and knockdowns. And we can see the injury rate is higher for the sacks and the knockdowns, right? 1.4% of every sack is an injury. 0.87% of every scramble is an injury. So you're actually more likely to get hurt from injuries sustained in the pocket. He does a really good job. He has an article, maybe I'll link it down below, Edwin, where this whole article, what this data shows right here, is scrambling quarterbacks and pocket quarterbacks both get hurt. Neither really inherently get hurt more than the other. It's kind of just a myth. So again, 
no major injuries. He said his injury that he sustained this year was in the pocket anyways. I don't, it, it does feel sort of like a McCaffrey thing where none of these are major injuries. I don't really think he's inherently injury prone while he played. I think that he didn't have any injury problems in college either. And he ran for, you know, 1,000 plus yards in like three years uh, or all three years. So I don't think that there's really much substance to the idea that he is injury prone or can't play a full season despite the last two seasons, him kind of getting bit by the injury bug. Now, when we talk about him as a buy, again, we have the elite ceiling. His floor has been top five quarterback over the last two to three years. And his dyna- and I think the injury stuff is overblown. And on top of that, I welcome whatever change. Greg Roman's gone, so whatever OC they bring in should be better for Lamar. If he changes hands to another team, I think that he'll be fine as well. I think anything would be better than a Greg Roman offense last year throwing to Demarcus Robinson and James Prochet. Now, this is the cheapest Lamar has ever been, which is why I think that he is the perfect, he is the guy where if you're going to trade for an elite quarterback this offseason, make it Lamar Jackson. This is the cheapest he's ever been. This is keep trade cut, which I know you guys don't love, but he's still just 26 years old. And you guys can see he was an elite asset, elite asset, drop down, back up to elite asset, drop down, back up to elite asset, and now he's dropped down to the lowest point in his entire career. And the way that I view this is the minute he pops for like 25 plus points per game and puts up something that was even like 80% of that 2019 season, he skyrockets back up to top five quarterback in Dynasty, and you can either ride those points per game to a championship or you can trade at those new prices, you know, at those like two peaks there. So I build my teams around elite quarterbacks. I think Lamar is the perfect elite quarterback to build your team around right now. He has elite rushing upside and he is the cheapest he's ever been. I think he's the best elite quarterback value right now in all of dynasty. Now we talked about earlier, Adeko, right? I was talking about his ADP and he has a really cool trade tool where he has a Google sheet that tracks every trade made in sleeper leagues or sleeper dynasty leagues across the board. And you can filter by player. Here I have it filtered by Lamar Jackson. Now, because of the new year and teams turning over, he has nothing post-January 1st, 2023, but I don't think that anybody's value has really changed a ton since, like, December, January. So I kept it within, like, roughly the last month here and tried to give you guys some examples of what you could be doing. Now, if you can use a Tua or a Kenny Pickett type to get yourself into Lamar Jackson, right? You, you pair a Tua with a Kamara, a Chubb, a Mixon, a Jacobs, anything like that, and that gets into a Lamar Jackson conversation. 100% do that. You have a three for one here, which I don't usually love three for ones, but if you can, you know, take a, I would call Pickens kind of an overvalued asset. I would call Najee Harris a guy I'm not dying to hold on to. And if you can take a Malik Willis, a Desmond Ritter, Kenny Pickett even to replace their quarterback, right? And say, hey, I'll give you a quarterback for your quarterback and then some juice on top. That's amazing. And then that bottom one, I don't love trading away future firsts. I hate trading away future firsts. The only time I'm really willing to trade away a future first, though, is for an elite quarterback. I think that's when it actually makes sense to trade away a future one. So if you can trade away a future one and a Jacobs, a Chubb, a Mixon, a Kamara, a Derrick Henry, any of those like boring running backs, I would kind of call that like the dynasty uh, like RB dead zone in a way, would do that all day long. Now, speaking of Alvin Kamara, that is our next buy. I told you guys, these buys are not going to be sexy. You're going to have to hold your nose and send out offers. We have Alvin Kamara here, who I ranked as my 6'11", as my RB16. 
he's going right now in startups as the 811 as the RB22. So he is a full two rounds later than where I would take him in a startup. And again, this is kind of where these veterans are at their cheapest. And I understand with Kamara, there's really not a ton going for him. There's really not a ton going for him. He could be suspended in 2023, like four to six games. He's coming off of his worst season to date. It is his first season last year where he did not finish as an RB1 in points per game. His first time in his entire career. Now, why do I like Alvin Kamara? We were just talking about that RB dead zone, right? Where it's similar to redraft, where I don't want to be holding a lot of these guys on my roster. I don't really want to be holding on to Mixon or Chubb. And both of those guys gave you like 16 points per game last year, which is like just in the difference-making area. But instead of paying 16 points per, or instead of paying a fourth or fifth round price for 16 points per game with Mixon and Chubb, I would just rather pay for Alvin Kamara in the eighth or ninth. Yes, he gave you 14 points per game last year, but that's not too far off of a Mixon and a Chubb. And then he also has that elite ceiling because receptions are massive for running backs. And I sort of think the receiving archetype is one that carries well with age. I was looking through some of the best receiving seasons for running backs in recent memory, and a lot of them came later on in these running backs' careers. Like Matt Forte only has one uh, one season with 100 or more receptions. That came in his age 29 season. Eckler just had his first season over 100 receptions. This season, in like what, like his sixth or seventh year of his career, he was 27. Brian Westbrooks, uh, that's like an old pull, but somebody who used to be a really nice receiving back for the Eagles. His best re uh, receiving season was 90 receptions. That came at age 28. These are kind of weird examples, but Kamara is just 27. He profiles as a receiving running back, a guy who Kamara, for as good as he's been, all the top five rushing seasons, or the top five point per game seasons, the RB1 overall season he had, he's still yet to rush for 1,000 yards. So I kind of think that his game is going to age well. His best reception total might be ahead of him. And the reason we're chasing receptions is this year, Eckler and McCaffrey were the only running backs to average 20 plus points per game over the entire season. And they were also the only running backs with 80 or more receptions. And in an era like we are right now, where there isn't really a bell cow, right? Like even the 49ers, after they traded for McCaffrey, there was that stint of time where Elijah Mitchell was healthy. And once he hit his, his touch target, he was taken off the field and Elijah Mitchell like out carried him for a couple games. The days of, you know, like 25 plus touches for LaDainian Tomlinson or your Priest Holmes is, is kind of over. And I think how you reach that ceiling is going to be through receptions. And if you look at the active running backs right now, by the way, I, I didn't I haven't really used this the site in the past, but Stat Muse is really nice. So you can just search what you're looking for, and if you word it the correct way, it'll pull it up for you, which is pretty sweet. This is the best single season reception seasons among all active running backs right now. And we see here, these are all the 80 plus reception seasons. There's not a lot of guys that have this upside, right? You had rookie Saquon Barkley. You have Eckler twice, you have McCaffrey four times, you have Kamara four times, and David Johnson. That is what, like five running backs that are in the 80-plus reception conversation. Now, of course, players can have outlier years, but I'm just talking about players you can reasonably project to hit the upper ceiling of receptions. Kamara's tied with CMC for the most 80-plus catch seasons at four among active players. So I will be chasing that ceiling again. 
I would say that there's, I think that there's like a 10 to 20% chance that his best, his highest reception total season is still ahead of him, Kamara. I know that that's crazy to say, but I think that there is a chance that that's how that is. Now, the way that his contract is structured, Kamara, when we talk about kind of projecting him out into the future, he can't really get cut. He can maybe get traded. This offense isn't great, right? Dennis Allen, I'm not really sold on him as a head coach. Quarterback looks different next year. Maybe there'll be a little bit more stability. Maybe Kamara will get sort of worked into the game a little bit more. Maybe stability, more stability as a whole, right, with like Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. Maybe Michael Thomas, though, it seems like he might get traded or cut at this point. But, you know, another year under a new system, things might gel a little bit more. Or maybe he gets traded again, right? Now, we talk about what I'm looking to acquire Kamara for. Now, again, this is because Kamara is dirt cheap. He is really, really cheap. He is no longer even in the Derrick Henry area. Like, he is a full tier below Derrick Henry. And these are the trades that are being made for Kamara. And I absolutely love them. We'll trade a second for him very easily if you got to add a third in all day. I love the idea of taking one of those fringe rookies like Brian Robinson, Tyler Algier, Isaiah Pacheco, and sending those guys away for Kamara. None of those guys have crazy good draft capital. None of those guys I'm super, super impressed with would much rather Kamara. I think I would even sell like Rashad White, James Cook for Kamara. Maybe ask for a little bit back on top just because of market value. But any of those rookie running backs, very easily I would. Uh, the last one here, you can see it's like Brian Robinson plus a Nico Collins. If you have to throw in like a face planner or a roster clogging wide receiver too, like whether that's a uh, David Bell, a John Mechie, if you have to throw in a uh, Josh Palmer, a Donovan Peoples-Jones on top of your Brian Robinson to get Kamara, please, please, please go do that. Now, our next trade target, this is going to be trade targets three and four in terms of players that we're buying. I told you guys, hold your nose with these. It's not pretty. Michael Thomas and Brandon Cooks. I merged these together. They're both the they're both a similar archetype of like boring wide receivers that are way too cheap in my eyes. Guys who pretty realistically next season could just go straight into lineups as like your flex two or three. I know that we're we have very deep lineups in Dynasty. You can buy them for pennies. I have both of these guys around like the 10, 12, like wide receiver 45 to like 49 area. Their ADP is like 1306, wide receiver 51, wide receiver 56 type area. So I'm about like five to six wide receiver spots higher than ADP, but like a full like two and a half rounds higher than ADP. And when we look at Brandon Cooks in particular, and we look at the wide receivers around Brandon Cooks, like I took their keep trade cut values here and their age. And I sort of listed off some wide receivers who were in the same area of production here, right? We have their points per game, their uh, keep trade cut value, right? So like wide receiver 26 is where they rank among wide receivers and then how old they are. And when you look across the board where you have DJ Moore, and I'm not saying DJ Moore should be valued less than this, right? 25 years old, 11.7 points per game, wide receiver 26, Juju 11.6 points per game, 26 years old, wide receiver 43, Gabe Davis 11.4 points per game, wide receiver 38, 23 years old. Brandon Cooks, 11.2 points per game, wide receiver 62, just 29. He's still not even 30 years old yet. Deontay Johnson, 10.6 points per game, wide receiver 31, 26 years old. Cortland Sutton, 10.6 points per game, wide receiver 46, 27 years old. So this is a guy who is under contract 
He's giving you 11 points per game in like his worst season ever where like he was sort of like quiet quitting in a way where he was demanding a trade. They wouldn't trade him. The quarterback play was awful. And he still matched production of Gabe Davis even better than Deontay Johnson, Cortland Sutton. I think he's undervalued. Houston as well. If he stays in Houston, they should get a quarterback upgrade, whether that's like Bryce Long, Bryce Young, Will Levis, whatever they decided to do there. Maybe they trade away Brandon Cooks. You also have Michael Thomas, who just had 17 points per game in three games this season. And that would put him at the wide receiver nine on a full season pace. Now, again, expanding three games out to a full season is probably dumb, but he was fine. And even if that 17 points per game comes down to like 12, 13, 14, for the price of wide receiver like 55, that is absolutely fine to me. Uh, he had another injury, but as long as he's on the field, he's shown that even through these injuries, he commands targets, he produces. Bottom line is that both of these wide receivers are still under 30 years old. They're dirt cheap, and they're probably the cheapest way to get good wide receiver two production. Now, when we look at sort of how I would structure going about trading with these guys, let's sort of double stack them. Any third straight up. Any third straight up, right? You see that Brandon Cooks one? Any third for Cooks or Michael Thomas, give me that all day. I would trade any face planner. So Jalen Tolbert, Mechie, Tyquan Thornton, if that's even an option. If David Bell's on the table, you got to add a third or a fourth to that. Go do that as well. I would trade a, again, Rashad White, James Cook, Algier, Brian Robinson, Pacheco for a running back, right? So you see James Conner and Michael Thomas. Maybe James Conner won't do it. Maybe like you could go down to a Fournette. Maybe you could go down to even like a uh, Rashad Penny, but I would trade maybe one of those rookie running backs for running back production in return, plus Michael Thomas on top or Brandon Cooks on top. And then also again, any third, any third plus like that Brandon Cooks one where it's like a third or fourth or fifth, whatever, anything later than a, a second, I'm very much interested in buying either of these guys at now our fifth buy candidate. 26 minutes in. This is going to be a mega episode. I probably could have split it up into buys and sells, but I'll give it all to you guys today. We have Darren Waller. <coughs> and Darren Waller is my 810 as my tight end 10. In startups, he's going as the 1005 as the tight end 11. So we're not really too far off in terms of tight end rankings, but I have him a full about like round and a half higher than consensus. And I hate to keep saying this, but this is also. The cheapest Waller has ever been. And I think in tight end premium, it makes a ton of sense to take a swing on a guy like Darren Waller. Hitting tight end production and just having that, you know, difference making piece in your tight end spot is absolutely massive for winning games, right? Like Kelsey teams were amazing. Andrews teams were amazing this year. And if you can hit on that, it's huge. Now, outside of the ones that matter, like Kelsey and Andrews this year, the rest are sort of a dime a dozen. And if we look at since 2020, which is the past three seasons, these are the highest point per game seasons among tight ends. And the way that I sort of treat tight ends is anything less than 15 points per game is probably replaceable. If you want to stretch that all the way down to 13 points per game, you can. But if you just look at 15 plus points per game, the only tight ends to have a 15 plus point per game season over the last three years, Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, Waller. Again, anything like the 12 points per game area or lower is replaceable. You can see Zach Ertz down there. You can even see CJ. Oh, no, that's only two games. You can see Zach Ertz. You can see Logan Thomas, Tanya, and Schultz. All those guys can give you that level of production. It is pretty, pretty easy 
to find. What's tough to find is those elite difference-making guys, and Darren Waller has proven to be one of only four that can give you that difference-making production. So I think it's a bad idea if you have a guy like Hawkinson, who's been hovering just in the 12-point-per-game area. If you even want to look, dude, he was still under 13 points per game if you just take all of his games with the Vikings, TJ Hawkinson. That's a, I'll say that's a mini-sell. We're not going to do like a full thing on him. Hawkinson's a mini-sell to me. He's a top 50 startup pick in tight end premium leagues. I wouldn't want to have that value wrapped up in him. I don't really want to have top 50 startup pick value wrapped up in any tight end, not named Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, or Pitts. And here is sort of a trade I would do with Waller, where if you can take one of those boring tight ends, like maybe not even like Hawkinson, you can probably do the same with a, uh, there's no one else that's like, like Schultz is no longer super, super overvalued, but a guy like Hawkinson, you take Hawkinson in a, a second, for Waller in a first. And then that's beautiful. You get a first round pick in value. That's your leverage. And you can kind of take Hawkinson versus Waller straight up, which I don't think is even a crazy bad bet to make. Like I just like the idea of moving off a 12 points per game tight end like Hawkinson getting into Waller. Yes, we're three years removed from a 17 point per game season, but the upside is still there. He is still a crazy, crazy athlete. He's also one of these guys that came into the NFL pretty late, right? Like he had to go to rehab and everything. So not a ton of tread on his tires at this point. He's also shown that he can command a ton of volume, right? He had like a 27, 28% target share in that 17 point per game season. And he's still commanding volume at a fine rate. If we look at his expected points per game, which takes into account, right? EP, expected points, is just based on his targets, his ADOT, the volume that he's amassed, how many points should he be putting up? And he's still in the top five in expected points per game over the top five years. So he's still in the mix as one of those guys that could give you just a 12 points per game like a Hawkinson. But I also do think that he has the athleticism, the target share ceiling to give you that maximum, maximum upside. Now, a lot of uncertainty, but I like leaning into the uncertainty. We don't know who his quarterback's going to be. Devontae Adams is there, but Devontae Adams could get moved. Darren Waller could get moved. There's a lot of outs here to win this Darren Waller bet. Now, when we talk about Darren Waller and how we should be acquiring him, Apparently, well, we just talked about with the Hawkinson thing, right? Like, I would be tearing down from any, again, any non, like, uh, I mean, I'm not really trying to get off of Goddard too, too much, or like, fryer me. If you can, if you want. I think Hawkinson's really the only clear, clear sell of the, the tight ends that are valued highly. So, if you want to tear down from one of those tight ends to get into Waller, I think that's a good idea as well. Or if you can just send a second straight up for Waller, which seems like that's an option here, I would buy him for a second all day long. Now... Moving on to the other side of this video, we have our sell candidates. Now, again, these are all from my rankings, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart, where I have it listed next to each and every single player, neutral, hard buy, soft buy, soft sell, hard sell. All of these in my rankings are either hard buys or hard sells. Just giving you guys a little bit of a preview of what you can get in there. And our first hard sell here is kind of weird, but it's Jared Goff. He is my 807 as my QB 22. He's going in startups as the 608 as the QB 17. And with Goff, I think it's pretty simple here where like that 608 ADP just because super flex, like there's, again, I hate to keep saying dead zone. There's a quarterback dead zone. Goff is in that quarterback dead zone where maybe you only have one quarterback through six rounds and you panic a little bit and you say, you know what? Goff looked good this year. I'll take Goff as my QB two and completely pass up on a lot more upside elsewhere. And the way that I view Goff, I'm never trying to make that value proposition where I'm giving up, you know, on all the upside for the stability of a QB2, simply because I don't have a QB2 at that time. And 
this is what it comes down to. When we look at Goff, this is the most expensive he has ever been. He has ever been. He is like 28-29. He has 29 passing touchdowns. And this is the highest he's ever been ranked. Or the highest since he was on the Rams, right? Like QB 16. As you guys can see, right? On the Rams, right? He was like QB 15, 16, whatever. Then he had his bad seasons with the Rams. And then just absolute plateau down to like quarterback, like 25, quarterback 30 area. And I think that's where he's headed. This year, he had 29 passing touchdowns. And that still wasn't even enough to give him a top 12 finish in points per game. So you're looking at a pocket quarterback, no rushing upside, no point per game upside, and he's a 28-year-old journeyman at this point. He played with the Rams, he got sent to the Lions, and if you look at his contract right now with the Lions, you have his cap hit, so what's the, what is his salary going towards the cap, and then his dead cap? If they cut him, what do they owe him? He has $30 million going toward, towards the cap this year. They would only have to pay $10 millions if they cut him, which means you know they could save $20 million by cutting him, which is a pretty good deal. Same thing next year. 31 mil. They would only have to pay 5 mil if they cut him, right? That dead cap number. And that would be like saving like 25 mil. So not necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying he's going to get cut, but he could be cut. He could be traded. This is a Lions team that clearly wants to draft a quarterback, right? That could be this year. That could be next year if they want to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. It's just very simply, Jared Goff is not the long-term answer in Detroit, which means he has no future stability, and again, he doesn't have the point scoring upside in the short term to offset that. So I think the reason why he's ranked so highly or ranked the highest he's been since the Rams is he looked at it as a cozy option, right? There's a lot of quarterback uncertainty right now, a lot of guys changing teams. You have Brady and Aaron Rodgers. We don't know if they're going to retire. You have rookies coming in. Quarterback right now is kind of musical chairs outside of the top like 12 to 13, and I think that he is just getting propped up because of that right again we saw what happened with the Rams he has good years he has good seasons and then things kind of come back down to earth they regress that's going to happen soon he's going to get moved from Detroit to somewhere else and he is probably just going to be a fine NFL starter for the rest of his career and this is probably the highest price to be able to sell just a career-long NFL starter in Dynasty so if I could use him to make a move like this first one and you can sort of use Jared Goff to get a first, I would sell Jared Goff for any first round pick. I would use him to tear up into a quarterback, right? So you could see Goff, a first, a second for Lamar all day. I would do that all day. And if you could find a way to get an elite tight end. So I would want an elite quarterback, an elite tight end or a first round pick. If I moved off of Goff, I'm not saying sell Goff for Deontay Johnson. Like there's no reason, there's no reason to do that, but sell Goff for an asset that makes your team better or gives your team leverage here. And this last one's a little bit weird with like going for Kyle Pitts, right? It's Kyle Pitts, Zach Wilson, and for Dalton Schultz, golf and a golf and a first. I'd probably be like I'd probably be fine with that, but it it's a little bit wonky. But just something like that, right? Like golf and a first for Pitts probably gets that done. Uh, after that, our second sell candidate is Jahan Dotson. Now here's the weird part: he is my 803, is my wide receiver 37. He is ADP's 801, but they're wide receiver 29. So not that far off from ADP, but that's just because I push wide receivers up the board. I'm eight wide receiver spots lower than ADP on Jahan Dotson. And pretty much what it comes down to is I'm taking wide receivers in that area, but there's a good bit of wide receivers I prefer over him. I would prefer DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Marquise Brown. Also give me any of like Jerry Judy for sure, Ayuk for sure, any of those type of guys 
Give me over Jahan Dotson. When we look at Jahan Dotson, he was completely carried by seven receiving touchdowns, which led this class. And we know touchdowns aren't sticky year to year, right? DJ Moore, I think, has only had like the highest uh, touchdown in a season of like four. I think this year he came out and had like eight or nine touchdowns. Touchdowns aren't sticky. Julio Jones, one of the best wide receivers of all time, has like some years where he only has like six touchdowns. Touchdowns are just elusive. The way that they get scored is very weird. And when we just look at outside of touchdowns, what he was actually doing on a per route basis, it's not pretty. Now, this is the official rookie wide receiver report. I know a lot of you guys wanted this. This is updated weeks one through 18. Uh, and this is where Jahan Dotson kind of ranks. 74 PFF grade is not terrible, but man, 1.39 yards per out run is awful. That was literally worse than Sky Moore. Uh, as you guys can see as well, like all everybody above rank 70 has like, you know, 1.75 yards per out run or better. He was only at 1.39. His target per out run was 14.9%. So he wasn't even really commanding targets, right? 14.9% is lower than Alec Pierce. Like just across the board, it's not very good. Let me, let me move this up so you guys can see David Bell as well. David Bell was awful, but Jahan Dotson, like there just isn't really anything there. I know he was a rookie, right? So he can improve upon of that, or he can improve upon that. And he can give you something better. The only issue is the reason why I'm not ready to like buy in on him making a year two jump is because I didn't love the profile coming out and he didn't do anything in year one for me to change how I felt about him coming out. And he is one of just six wide receivers in my database, right? So I have prospect tiers. I have bronze. These guys don't really hit top 24 seasons at all. Silver hits at about like 25%, gold about. 50% elite, like 80% top 24 seasons, and legendary 100%. He is one of just six first-round wide receivers to earn the silver prospect grade, which is kind of a death sentence. Uh, Kadarius Tony showed some flashes. Ayuk has been good, but Ayuk had a very, very, very good year one. He was a league winner down the stretch. Kadarius Tony, very, very good year one, or not a very, very good on a, a per route basis. Jahan Dotson didn't do much. He did score down the stretch, but he wasn't the same type of guy as Ayuk. Ayuk had like a, uh, I think he had like a 22% target share in year one. Jahan Dotson's more like 15%. So he didn't come out and like dominate targets like Ayuk. So when we look at this list and we see just one top 24 season from these guys, I'll pass. Because again, if he showed something, right? Like if he came out here and gave you like a 20% target per out run, like a two yards per out run, and he looked good, then I'd be like, all right, you know what? I didn't like him before. But he showed some positive signs here. He sort of showed exactly what I was expecting, just looking at his profile. So I'm not going to have that optimism. So if I had Jahan Dotson on a roster, which I might have him on one roster, I, I don't know um, if I've ever ended up with a Jahan Dotson share last draft season. But as you guys can see, again, if you can trade Jahan Dotson for DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Marquise Brown, I would do it. If you can do something among the you know, Jahan Dotson and a running back like Cam Akers, even if you have to move that up to a running back like Derrick Henry, uh, Josh Jacobs, Mixon, if you can use Jahan Dotson plus a dead zone running back and get into the Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave conversation, please, please go do that. I would love the idea of tearing up from Jahan Dotson into Garrett Wilson, Olave, London, if not one of those guys. I even think that Christian Watson and Burks are good ideas as well. Now, our last sell tar or last sell candidate here, 40 minutes into the video. I hope you guys appreciate this. Please, please, if you made it this far, leave a like, blow this video up. These videos in the offseason don't do as well, but I'm putting a ton of work into these for you guys um, because I know that I'm posting not as frequent as I have in the past, just because, you know, again, 
it is the off season. I'm working on some things behind the scenes, got to update prospect models. I also think I want to tweak RS grades a little bit. Uh, we were using season long stats. I want to use per game stats. So just have a lot uh, that I have to do outside of turning on the camera and recording for you guys. So when I do, I want to make it worth it. Uh, so let's talk through Donovan Peoples-Jones as my last sell candidate. Now, he's somebody that's more, you know, he's outside the top 10 rounds in ADP. So he's kind of a roster clogger. But it's crazy how high the market is on him. I have him, I have him as my 1406, as my wide receiver 69. ADP has him as 1109, wide receiver 44. Wide receiver 44. He's my wide receiver 69. So people absolutely love them. Some Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I would be looking to sell if I had him anywhere. People love the idea that uh, he's kind of like a uh, lesser-known player. Deshaun Watson is going to make this passing game great in 2023. Let's go all in on Donovan Peoples-Jones. Now, with Donovan Peoples-Jones, trust me, I know the story. Round six, ultra-athlete, only slipped in the NFL draft because he went to Michigan and they had awful quarterback play with Caden McNamara. He was a five-star recruit coming out of college or coming out of high school. Here's the issue. He's a day three pick. He's played three seasons so far. He has yet to record. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> I think I'm good. But he's a day three pick. He has three seasons under his belt. And he has yet to even record a 10-plus point-per-game season or a top 45 point-per-game season at wide receiver. Now, he is a deep threat with 4-4 speed. Someone that I think was like top five in dot in his second year. He's supposed to be this deep threat, big play guy. He has just one top 12 finish and one 20-plus PPR point game in 43 career games. That was one singular game, and that didn't even come in his most recent season with Deshaun Watson. It came in his second year. Now, if we go further than that, among 140 wide receivers with 100 or more routes, he ranked 61st in yards per out run at 1.46 and 75th in targets per out run at 16.6%. So he isn't giving you those like deep threat spike weeks. He isn't giving you 10 plus points per game. He isn't giving you, he's not committing targets. He's not efficient. So I don't really see the appeal here. And if I can sell on the optimism of Deshaun Watson and that passing game, I would all day. He's behind Amari Cooper and Njoku. This is a Browns team that wants to bring in his replacement. They have drafted wide receivers in back-to-back years now with Anthony Schwartz and David Bell. They want somebody better than Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's very clear. So I would be looking to sell. And the prices you can sell them at are pretty dang crazy, man. Pretty damn crazy, dude. Look at this. DPJ and a second for a 24 first. We'll do that all day. We'll do DPJ in a, uh, for a second straight up. I think if you could do if you could do DPJ a second and like another piece for a first, I would do that all day. And I love the idea of this top one of selling him for quarterback production, like uncertain quarterback production, where if you sell DPJ for Tom Brady or you sell him for Aaron Rodgers, like I don't know how that's possible. I think something more reasonable would probably be like Jimmy G or Tannehill, but I think those are both good ways to offload Donald Peoples Jones as well, getting quarterback production that could make a difference for your team. Now, that is gonna do it for us today. We got just under 45 minutes, which I think is a I think it's a good time. Uh, but it's good to be back. It's good to be talking Dynasty. Again, don't expect... We're not going to go back to, to posting like daily with Dynasty content here. Because again, I am doing stuff on the back end, trying to get models right for you guys. But I'm, I'm going to start doing it where... Like here, I finished my Dynasty rankings. I have content around my Dynasty rankings. And I'm going to go back to working on something behind the scenes. Let's say I finished my Titan Prospect model. I'll come back. I'll post a video uh, about my Titan Prospect model. And then go over like my top five tight ends. And then I'll go back, do stuff behind the scenes. And then I'll use it for content. And I'll do stuff behind the scenes. I'll use it for content. So expect instead of like a seven uh, video a week, expect like 
I would say like two to three video streams per week um, at the absolute minimum. So with all that being said, again, Dynasty Rankings, fresh off the press, cannot stress enough, literally fresh off the press. If you have a startup coming up, if you're making trades in the offseason, I cannot stress enough. Make sure you check out Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. And with all of that, I appreciate you watching. I don't know why I said watching. I appreciate you guys watching. And as always, I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. Channel, Chatham's on. Foolies, glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper, song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Me.